Welcome, Highfalutin Ski Bum Podcast, episode number 256. It is your pals, Mario and Brian. Mario, what's up? Glad to be back podcasting. Sometimes I think, you know, the podcasting day is never going to come around. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Like you kind of start thinking about it. And you're like, I, you know, we'll text each other. We're like, hey, are we doing this tonight. So usually, usually do it Thursday night. Sometimes things slip and shift because, you know, life happens, man. You got to be able yeah. to pivot, pivot, move. That's what holidays throws everything off. Holidays, summer was always crazy too. Now yeah. we're falling into fall. We're kind of getting, technically, it's still summer, but it's got that getting darker earlier, that Christmas in the air, starting to feel folly. Everybody is thinking about skiing now. You're getting tons of emails. Yeah. Getting the gear reviews in the mail. It's a beautiful thing. No Powder Magazine. Rest in peace. Last year was the last time we're getting powder, which is unfortunate. But you know, I was on that Ski Utah thing the other night. That was pretty cool. Yeah. I uh, trivia? sadly could not get on it because we had a what we thought was potentially a COVID outbreak at, at one of our at an event that we went to this past weekend. Oh, geez. So it was like, we're calling people and like, do you, how do you feel? Are you okay? Someone thinks they got sick, blah, blah, blah. <sighs> Dude, my answer, if anybody ever calls me, I feel I have COVID click. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good luck with your next 10 hours of fucking panic. <laughs> yeah. So I was, I was dealing with that and dealing with like freaking out wife and kids that were a pain. So oh. I miss it. How was it? It was pretty good. Uh, they did a good job. It was all trivia. Um, and it was fun. It was, you know, uh, invite kind of event. Uh, our buddy Rich from All About Apre, he was uh, in the final three. Uh, so nice. that was pretty neat to see. Um, but it was cool. It was a good uh, good event. They they hosted a nice thing. And, uh, of course, I ordered my, uh, my sponsored drink late. Um, but I did have a nice bourbon to, to, to go to. Dude, I got mine. And so, yeah, they sent us some gift cards, which was super cool of Ski Utah. Yeah. And unfortunately, you go to that website and you order stuff and there's the price. And you're like, oh, man, like I'm only going to have to put in like 10 bucks for this great bottle. And it's like, oh, well, then there's like the shipping cost and like the tax and it's other fee. Handling. Dude. You know, I got to take it off the shelf and put it into oh, a box. Of course. They bang you in yep. the ass on like all those extra fees and it's like shipping. Yeah. And I got to tell you, I have the best FedEx guy. He's so awesome. Like I was like running to the door because it's one of those things. Like when you get the alcohol, you have to sign for it. You're, proof yeah. that you're 21. Like our guy is awesome. He, uh, I I'm, I'm opening the door cause we have like the little camera that went on and I ran upstairs. I saw him leaving and I opened the door. He's like, Hey, he's like my friend. He's like, I signed for you. And he goes, Next time he's like, you and me, we have a couple, right? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like awesome. you know it, man. <laughs> you know it. Come on down, bro. Because <laughs> it says awesome. like, it's like a sticker on there. It says like, this is alcohol. Make sure <laughs> someone 21 is there to sign for yeah. it. Here you go, kid. <laughs> what are you, 14? Give this to your dad. <laughs> you little rascal. <laughs> yeah. Did you oh, order yeah. the smokes for him too? Because that's coming. I got that all in the right. truck. Yeah, so all good. But I'm glad you went to that event. That's awesome. We're getting psyched. Uh, we're going to have a little bit of a book report today. So, yeah. you know, it's back to school. Everyone's back to school now. And, Perfect timing. You know, thinking about book reports, we talked about a book that I was going to read this past summer. And I did read it. I got done around August. And I said I'd do a book report. We had so much going on in August that we couldn't get to it as a topic. So this week, main topic, 30 years in a white haze. Boom. Our pal Dan Egan and Eric Wilbur wrote this book. 
It's a great book. I got a nice little breakdown. I'm not going to give the book away. Don't worry. It's not like a spoiler alert thing. A lot yeah. of stuff I'll talk about it. The stuff that you kind of know about the Egan brothers legend and Dan and John, but there's some, there's some cool twists and, and other little things that I'll definitely good read just before you get into the ski season. Like right oh, now, dude, perfect, right? perfect time. Yeah. It was good in the summer. It's going to be even better to read it now into, yeah. uh, Till the, till the snow starts falling. That's right. Thank you so much for listening. We do appreciate it. Check us out, skibumpodcast.com. We've got a shop on there. Did you know that? We do. Skibumpodcast.com slash shop. If you like the Raiders, if you don't like the Raiders, if you like skiing, I love this shirt. I love this freaking <laughs> logo. I know you had the one on last week, Mario, the black one. I got the white t-shirt. It, I like it, the hoodie. The, the hoodie's, hoodie's my favorite. Cool. We got that, the zip hoodie. Although it's been pretty hot down here to wear. If I ever go to an ice rink, I put it on. If I ever go up north skiing, it's my go-to. On the airplane, go-to. I am uh, going to get some beanies made up. That's nice. the, the next thing I want to get. Uh, that's a big thing for the fall, winter. Maybe get some new sweatshirts in the shop. That's that's kind of what I'm thinking. So we'll see. But we nice. still have plenty of other cool stuff in there. So check it out. It's keeponpodcast.com slash shop. Check us out on all the socials, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Untapped. We are at Ski Bump Podcast. Go to your favorite podcasting apps, rate and subscribe. Send us an email, skibumpodcast at gmail.com. Big shout out. Thank you to our sponsor, Paradise Skis. Go to their website, paradiseskis.com. Use the code SKIBUM15, 15% off. They make seriously fun skis. You can see them behind me there. Right That's there. Yep. there you there go. There they are. Sam. Right there. Are red. I got the red skis. The red are the resort skis. You got the blue, which are the backcountry skis. And they have the green, which are the split boards, which are pretty awesome. Um, also, Paradise Skis is all about making skiing as fun as possible whether that's shredding laps in Hawaiian shirts, bringing the Hawaii, uh, the parking lot at prey, or getting up early to go for that huge backcountry objective. It's our mission to build skis and snowboards that allow our customers to enjoy every single day in the mountains. So go to paradiseskis.com, ski bump 15, get some dope skis for the season. They might be even good for some charcuterie ski. <sighs> they would actually be perfect for charcuterie ski. Charcuterie so, ski. I don't even know how to say it. Jeez. Charcuterie ski. <laughs> So thanks, Paradise Skis. Thank you all for listening. Mario, let's kick it off. It's time for Opre Today. All right, so I started my pregame with uh, a White Claw, and I was I was intending to go with that in the Yeti Slim Can Cooler, but I just couldn't, it just didn't feel right for a real, you're going to be talking about a nice ski book. I need something to go you need something to go with the book, you know, with that book report, the cliff notes. I want to know. So I, uh, I broke out another one of the creatures of magic. Oh, so that's nice. uh Burlington brewing company. And they make such uh, awesome beers. Yeah. I had this, uh, it was like three weeks ago or something. When I came back from New Hampshire, I brought some back. I'm going up to New Hampshire this week. Uh, it's going to be a nice weekend, seeing a lot of hockey and probably getting some more dope-ass beers. Uh, but this is that outstanding 92 rating on Beer Advocate. So um, really, really highly rated, highly sought after. Let's see. See how this pours. <laughs> see if it tastes any different from the last time you had it. I don't know. It's been, it's been fridge-aged now. 
<laughs> fridge, Florida fridge aged. Florida fridge aged. FFA. <laughs> Florida fridge aged. So this is a New England IPA. Um, they're saying it's about what's the ABV on the six point five. That's not bad. Usually they they can get pretty high. Yeah. Um, I don't know if the New Englands are less because I've seen a lot of New Englands lately at local breweries down here that are in that range, like six. But when you start seeing like IPAs, like you know, Cigar City has the they have a freaking you know seven and a half is is highlight as an IPA, and then they have the Florida Man, which is like a uh, I think that's a I don't know I think that's a another IPA. I don't think it's a double, and that one's like eight something. Yeah. Those are, uh, those, that's, those will take you out. Those are the one, I mean, Hetty Topper, what? That's like an eight, right? Sip of Sunshine's an eight. Look See, at I, that. I messed up the pour because there's about three inches of foam because I'm just Oof. an idiot. Ah, uh, you got to be something, right? You know, just, uh, see if we can get rid of some of this foam, pour more in there. <laughs> Let's see. Creatures of Magic, Burlington Beer Company. I don't think I've had that one. Yeah, this one's delicious. Um, a little bit on the sweet side, not not really. New England IPAs, for some reason, I think are more danker. Uh, this isn't dank. It's very uh, floral, fresh. Um, well, usually the New Englands are more more uh, citrusy, aren't they? I don't know. You know, I've the had West some Coast more dank. Maybe. I mean, I've I've had some that are dank, and I'm like, this is weird. It's like a, a dank, different flavor. Um, not. You know, not to the citra kind of, you know, <clears throat> you know, citrusy. I just love that word. This is so dank. <laughs> so dank. Um, but yeah, I like the cloudy color. Uh, it's a nice cloudy tan. Uh, so one of the, one of the top reviews here, or one of the first reviews I'm seeing, or one of the top reviews saying fruitiness, sweetness, bitterness. Uh, there's a little bit of bitterness. It's not too bitter. Um, just a touch of acidy tanginess that really works nicely. Um, yeah, so, it's got a good mouthfeel, you know. So I just looked up the dankest beers, top 10 oh. dankest beers. And this is from the Full Pint, which is Craft Beer News. And their number one is Avery the Maharaja. We had Avery like, once, right? Dude, Avery makes those, they make those weird... I don't know if it's like their Imperial collection or something. They have like the Maharaja. They have like a few other like royalties from around the world. They said that one, they're like, good heavens. This beer is vibrant and has whiffs of grapefruit, orange and pine from a mile away. Oh, wow. Uh, Avery should add a spliff to the Maharaja logo. If I say so myself. (laughs) Ah, that's funny. Actually, I'm seeing here for dank score from rate beer. Treehouse has a few of them, and Trillium has a few. Which ones are from Treehouse? So they say Treehouse Haze, Treehouse Doppelganger. And really? Tre- I have the very hazy. Yeah. Guess, yeah, you know what? I guess, well, I guess, uh, so maybe dank is like the weed smell. What is the definition of dank? Now I want to know. Now we gotta, we're got to breaking this down. See, we're doing real science here. Now, I know John Kimmick, the guy who started Alchemist, and when he made Hetty Topper, one of his goals was to make it s- smell as much like weed as possible. That oh, was like, okay. That was like one of the things he was trying to do when he first came up with that. 
So they're saying dank in reference to high alcohol content and funky green resinous flavors. <laughs> and by funky green resinous sm- uh, flavors, you mean like weed, weed flavors. Yeah, that's right. Ballast point sculpin it has on here. That is surprising. Huh. Huh. I'm surprised. Pliny the Elder, number three. How about the, um, what's that 421 from, uh, shoot. Uh, One of my it. favorites was um, Founders Redanculus. That was such a good beer. I've only had that like once or twice. Sweetwater 420. That one smells a lot like weed. <laughs> well, it is called 420. Well, no, when they pour it, like if they have it at a... Um, <clears throat> At a bar, you'll know they're pouring. You'll be like, "Oh my god, it smells like weed beer," and it, it tastes just like it. It's crazy, but it has like a very big aroma. Yeah, we had that ridiculous from Founders. That was so good. I don't know if they make it all the time, but it says it's like their backstage series. So I don't know if it's like a special one they make. So I don't know. This just hit me out of nowhere, totally unrelated. But we were talking about wine before. And then we mentioned Boone's Farm. And I'm wondering if you get Boone's Farm and seltzer, mix it together, do you get it like a White Claw Strawberry Hill seltzer? I believe there's only one way to find out. I think I might have to do that. It's science time, baby. I'm going to go to the liquor store where I think I'm going to get shot every time I go because it's really not. There's police there like every, I got to say two to three times a week I see police there. So every time I go in, uh, Melanie's like, you know, make sure you have your phone on you. I'll track you and make sure you come back home alive. Uh, I definitely can get Boone's Farm there. For sure. Just saying. It'd be funny if you ordered, like you went to one of those like online alcohol websites and you're like, I'm going to get McAllen 18 and Boone's Farm. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> like, oh, so this, this guy ordered. So this past weekend, I was up in Jersey and we, and Brian couldn't make it, but, uh, a bunch of buddies and I, we got together, we did a little road biking from Seaside Park all the way up to, uh, Asbury Park, Park to Park. That's what we call it, uh, our Park to Park ride. It's about 54, um, miles round trip. And, uh, it's funny. We were looking for beer in Steve, cause our buddy Steve invites us down. He's got a house down there and we're looking in his, his, um, fridge he's got a fridge in the garage near where he has all the you know the bikes and he used to have the jet skis and like all his toys and uh we're looking i'm like what is this beer i've never heard of it and i don't remember the name of it but somebody's like dude that's non-alcoholic and i'm like uh why the fuck does he have it and i forgot for about for about two months he was like i don't know i think i might have a problem so he just kind of stopped <laughs> drinking and now he's kind of Back on the problem. Back on the wagon. So I guess it's off off the wagon as you're not drinking. On the wagon as you're drinking. I guess because you're too hammered to stand, right? I thought it's the opposite. I thought if you're on the wagon, God, you're like too stupid to even know. (laughs) (laughs) When you're on the wagon, that means you're like being wholesome and going to your job. (laughs) But on the wagon is your not drinking alcohol. Yeah, because you're like being like responsible, and you're going to your work, and you're 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 like hold on to the horses. So where does it come from? Off when the you're wagon. Off the wagon. You fell off because you're all fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, abstaining from drinking. Don't offer roses on the wagon. Okay, it's a. Oh, it's a water wagon. 
So you're on the wagon. If you're on the water wagon, you're drinking water. If you're off the water wagon, you're drinking everything else. I just remember there's a a bar in New York City called Off the Wagon. And I'm like, well, obviously the bar is called Off the Wagon. So it's what you're doing there. Unless it's a water bar and then you're on the wagon. This is a goddamn, it is not a water bar, I assure you. (laughs) So every firehouse is on the wagon, but they're kind of off the wagon when they're not at the at the firehouse yeah all right so we're off the wagon we're off the wagon we're on the snowcat (laughs) that's right off the snowcat off the snowcat that's right we're on the snowcat we're drinking (laughs) we have we're still drinking (laughs) sober october is we're on the snowcat well if you're on the on the snowcat and you're not driving the snowcat you're you're pounding beers just Why saying. are you on the snowcat if you're not driving it? Like, where do you? Where are you going to go? Oh, you're getting dropped off to go skiing. Hopefully, hopefully it's one of those like wagon snowcats, not like a regular like Could one be. seat driving like real work snowcat. Yeah, then you definitely don't want to be drinking. Nah, it's not good. Those things are like spaceships, though. They're awesome. They're so all that heavy machinery. They got like all those. They're like hooked up like a cockpit. Oh my god, they're so cool. All right, so I I'm going in a different direction this this uh, app right today, a place I haven't really gone in a long time. Oh, last weekend, like I said, Mario and I were within miles of each other, but I had I had obligations. It was my wife; it was a big birthday. We had a big surprise party for her on Saturday. Nice, beautiful weather, outdoor party, and we had to get beers. We had to get you know what we got. Spike seltzer. We got wine. We had margaritas, but we also had beer. Lots of beer. And it's fall. So what kind of beer do you have in the fall? Oktoberfest beers, naturally. Mm. Unless you're an animal. So we had two kinds. Dude, I got pumpkin pound cake today. I know it's fall's coming. Pumpkin pound cake. Yeah. And you know everything else, pumpkin's coming out. Oh, it hasn't already. We we have one watermelon left on the (laughs) counter. I got to cut it because, you know, we're going from, it's going from watermelon season to pumpkin season real quick. Are you going to go out to the same patch and pick up the pumpkins now? Right. This could be, this is the last watermelon of the summer. I think you got to find a farm that has the, the, the fresh watermelons that you go to, to get, get your pumpkins then after. There's a local peach orchard by us. God damn. If you haven't picked your own peaches, you are, you're missing out on life. Like fresh peaches are just unbelievable. So goddamn good. Stone peaches are a mealy and I just don't. And I was just covered with like, ah, muff cabbage. Muff cabbage, exactly. <laughs> That's right. We had the big party this weekend. Got a bunch of beers. We had the Sam Oktoberfest, which is always just, it's classic. But I went old school, really old school. We got the Spaten. Nice. Oktoberfest. That's the good one. This is the king of Oktoberfest beers. There, I'm saying it. Sam Adams, you, you yeah. do a wonderful job. Everyone looks forward to drinking your beer in July when it comes out for some goddamn reason. The Spaten Oktoberfest. These are the OG. people. OG, OG, right there. This beer first started being brewed in 1215. Now, what is Spaten in German? It's spade. Uh, it's like a digging spade, right? Like a, a shovel. That sounds about right. It does. I don't know when this was, for beer first started being made. Oh, 1397. I was trying to be like way off sarcastic. 1397. They started making this beer. Yeah. What the hell? They've had 600 plus years to get it right. And God damn it. They have. 
This is a 5.9 percenter. It's just got a lot of like malt flavor, but also it's got like a bready caramely taste to it. It's kind of, you can't really tell because I got it in this mug here, but kind of dark, darkish looking. People are saying caramel. It's, yeah, I guess you could say like a rust, dark, dark. I think the Oktoberfest are a little caramely, right? They're a little. Mm. I mean, it's got like a, a little bit of sweetness to it, but it's not, not sickening or, or or overly saccharine it just tastes yummy nice this beer is giving you a hug this beer is going hey bro you survived summer guess what's going to happen in a few weeks it's going to be white stuff falling to the ground and you're doing nice. some sliding and you're gonna be a happy little monkey and it's going to be awesome that's what this beer is doing this this beer is just it's a welcoming of the best time of the year that's what it is that's awesome Fucking Nazis couldn't stop it. No one else can stop it. This beer lives. It's That's old. old. Yeah, so their symbol is a is a, a digging spade. It's like a shovel. That's what it means, spade. Look at that. You are See, spot on. So I guess while you're digging the roads, you're having a few beers. This is the, the, the digging. Too. Yeah. That's right. You're digging some post holes. That's the, that's the beer to have. It's just such a nice drinking beer. So... On Saturday, when I first started drinking this, I started with this. And I was like, oh, this is really good. I haven't had it in... I, I mean, I've had the Shabbat in Oktoberfest, but it's been a while. And again, it was back in the day where I had like four of those giant liters of them, and you don't know what it tastes like anymore. That. <laughs> so I had that, and then I had a Sam. And I was like, ooh, the Sam is like a little... I'll tell you what it's like. The Spaten is like a steep corduroy black diamond first thing in the morning. Like you just, it's clean. It's just, you rip it. It's just, it's beautiful. It's elegant. The Sam is more like a, more like a blue. You know, it's a little, yeah, little sweet. It's like you're expecting more. And then you're like, ah, I wasn't. Well, it's more that I think more people can enjoy it. Ah, okay. So I think the Spaten is more like people know what's up. Actually, the, the Spaten is more like a something a little off piste. Like people know what's up, they know where it is, they know where to get to it. Like I'm gonna write off the first run, right down, right down. The Sam's a little more like, hey, we're a little more sweeter, we're a little more for everybody. Look, our label's orange. That's kind of how it, the Sam is good. I like the Sam. I better like it. I have like 18 bottles of it left from this party because <laughs> everyone was drinking the Spaten because it was better. Hmm. Spot in Oktoberfest. If you're looking for an Oktoberfest beer, look That's no a good further. one. That's one of the originals, right? 1397. 1397. What the hell else was good? What was going on in our country in 1397? It was basically nothing. Just a bunch of, it was all the Indians running around, right? Squaw Valley was just full of squaws. That's, it was just Indian territory and they had their tribes and that was it. Not even a single road. Not a even a cart. Yeah, a lot of murder, a lot of sacrifice, you know. Oh, I, the, when were the Mayans like cutting people's heads off? Was that around Just that people time? People being people. I mean, think about this. This beer was being made before Christopher Columbus. That's true. Before he was in itching his daddy's pants. He wasn't even alive. I know. Crazy. 1397. Damn. You know, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 17, 17, right? Like. It's a long time. Very long time. Wow. 
Actually, that's totally incorrect. He was definitely alive by then. It was four, no, it was fourteen ninety two, right? So yeah, he wasn't even close to being alive. Yeah, Columbus fourteen twelve. Yeah. All right. So in thirteen ninety seven, Sejong the Great, a Korean king, was born. Boom. What was Genghis Khan rolling around the? Uh... Pope Nicholas. He was born. Albert II of Germany. Like there was not much happening in there was six people born in 1397. That's how long ago it was. Genghis Khan Khan died in 1227. Damn. So it was close to when like right after Genghis Khan, right? Hundred years after? Yeah. So after a hundred years, people were like, we gotta celebrate that guy being dead. <laughs> right. He almost made it to Germany. We gotta make some beer to celebrate. You know what came up That's when I how searched for that started. And that that's how we got there from spotting Oktoberfest to there. Oktoberfest to there. Well, speaking of people traveling, as the gang, Genghis Khan and the Mongols did. Let's go to ski news. Yeah. New COVID-19 rules introduced in Austria as cases rise. Hintertook and Solden ski resorts in Tyrol are already open with a handful of glacier resorts opening later this month and into October. New measures have come into force this week. Antigen tests are only valid for 24 hours instead of 48 after the test was taken. Hospital grade P or FFP2 masks must be worn instead of normal face masks in essential retail shops and on public transport. Ski lifts are classed as public transport. For those who have not been vaccinated, wearing a FFP2 mask is also mandatory in non-essential retail and in cultural institutions. So what's the difference between an essential retail shop and a non-essential retail shop? I wonder if like a grocery store would be essential and like a gift shop would be non-essential. So mm-hmm. does the virus know if you're getting groceries or if you're getting a t-shirt? Hmm. They don't they don't care. It's gonna jump on you either way. Regardless. Regardless. Proof of vaccination, negative test, or recovery from COVID is required for events and gatherings of 25 people or more. The Austrian Chancellor Sebastian Kurz said the answer has to be vaccination and not lockdown. So at least they're not talking about lockdowns anymore. I think we all saw how much psychological damage has been done to everybody. Everyone's brain has been ruined by being locked up for the last 18 goddamn months. Yeah, it's, it's getting it's getting bad. Mentally, there's going to be a lot more mental uh, stress on everybody, I'm sure. Have you, I mean, I'm sure you've heard about people, you know, or read about online, like, you know, kids and suicide and like not being able to go to school and be around their friends. Like it's, it's not good. And this is, it's still, you know, we're still out of the woods. So, yeah. I mean, think about it, like, so I've heard statistics where the, you know, um, there's, there's a lot more people having a lot more uh, problems mentally and, you know, um, mental illness has gone up, but think about, like you said, you're opening stuff up for the, for the summer. Now you're going to lock it back down. Like that's another set of anguish. Like people are going to go through. It's, it's just not good. 
It's like, oh, yes, we did what we were supposed to. We listened to all you geniuses who told us about the science, and still we can't do what we want to do. Yep. These people got these these people in power need to know too that you know what people can only take so much. It was two weeks to flatten the goddamn curve, nineteen months ago. At what point do you say? But at what point do you say? All right, you're on your own. If you catch it, you catch it, just like the flu, right? Because we could lock everybody down for the flu. Same idea, right? But I guess the flu's not as deadly. Let's all just spit the Delta virus in everyone else's mouth, and then we'll close up for a week, and then we'll be good to go. No, I don't close up. Everything will settle itself out. Yeah. Let's go door to door, spitting the Delta in everyone's mouth. Well, think about it you this way. You sleep in you're... the whole week, you take some vitamin C, and you'll be good to go in a week. So I bought, I thought about this, like, I don't know, when this first all hit and, and people were quarantined, there wasn't enough room in hospitals for people getting sick. If you're like a really wealthy person and you set up and you say, look, doctor, I want you to give me the coronavirus. And then I want a team of like doctors and nurses just waiting on me, making sure I don't die. Like, okay, then you get immune to it after and you're done. Right. Yeah. But even if that happens, they're still saying they want you to take the vaccine for an illness you already have. So I don't get that. If you follow the science, it doesn't make sense either. It's not about health anymore. It's it's all about control. At this point. It's all politics. It's bullshit. It's all bullshit. Yeah. You know, at some point, so we got to get sick of it and say we need the real answer, and we don't need this this freaking cook, you know, smoke and mirror show about what is what because it's too much bullshit, too much stress stress on us, and you know the the people behind the curtain are making a shit ton of money. Their friends are making a shit ton of money from this, and we're the ones that are suffering. Yep, you know, and they're going to keep doing bailouts. And who's paying for a bailout? Who pays for the bailout, Brian? At the end of the day, taxpayers. Taxpayers. Yeah, government. I love when I hear people say, "Oh, you know, the government should take care of that." Government's not taking care of shit. They're, like they're passing it on to us to pay. Like, Government's just a bunch of people. That's all yeah. it is. It's a bunch of people who've been given power to take your take your money and now your freedoms away. They're just moving the deck chairs. That's it. They don't they don't do anything. Yeah. You know. Other than stick it to to you and me paying and, taxes and fight to get reelected every two to six years, yeah, and lie a lot. That's kind of what they do, and suffered no financial consequences over the last two years that yeah. they imposed on everybody else. It's crazy, yeah, crazy. But you know, keep doing what you're told because if yeah. they if you keep doing what you're told, they're never going to stop telling you what to do. That's right. We keep electing, and they they keep doing what they want to do. Yeah. So, mm. well, speaking of politicians having some trouble, <laughs> staying right. in Austria, staying in Austria. So, the first lawsuit against Aust- the Austrian government for handling of Ischgl ski area COVID outbreak begins on Friday, which is tomorrow. Um, so, the first of potentially thousands of lawsuits against the Austrian government regarding the handling of COVID 19 outbreak at at Ischgl Ski Resort, which Brian and I have the shirts. We love that place. Um, Fantastic. It it was a, a just a mosh pit and a party. It was great. Um, in March 2020, we'll begin on Friday. So the window, the widow of Hannes Schaff, 72, an Austrian journalist who died with COVID, uh, is suing the Austrian government for 100 
euros, 100,000 euros for responding too slowly to the threat of the virus. So <laughs> she claims he was infected on a crowded bus to the station while fleeing the resort. So, so fleeing was like Godzilla coming, like COVID Godzilla. And you had to freaking get on the bus to run. Like they make it sound like, I love the way they word it for the lawsuit, right? Like fleeing. They were, yeah. they were fleeing. Yes. He stopped to have a bunch of beers, try to grow up a few girls and run out of the place, but he was fleeing, you know, he definitely didn't get it from an Eastern European prostitute in Ishkill. No, not at all. No chance. <laughs> But he was on a crowded bus to the station. He could have taken an Uber. Yeah. So anyway, Australian national and local authorities have been blamed for their slow reaction to the coronavirus at Ishkill, the ski resort that became the epicenter of the disease in Europe. And one um, thing I will say, 100,000 euros. If this was America, wouldn't it be like $100 million? $100 billion. <laughs> yeah, it would be crazy. But... uh yeah, so they're saying there's a lot of lawsuits piling up. There's about 32 COVID-related deaths that have been tracked to the area. So there's more shoots that are coming. And, um, you know, there's a mixed reaction. I mean, so you're saying they reacted slowly to something that's never before happened in history. Like, you know, again, like all these people, you know, everybody has something to say about how we should have, could have, would have done something back in in the past but at the time nobody was prepared for this so i don't know i just uh i have mixed feelings on it i think it's sad uh but i also think there's there's part of it that is just people try trying to trying to find blame in something and you know end of the day you could have caught something anywhere could have caught avian bird flu you could have put caught ebola right like yeah and how how are they gonna pinpoint it to like this this crowded bus like is that even possible to do i yeah i wouldn't think they could so this thing, thing, like, link- one thing that i've i've you know again i am i'm a moron i'm not a doctor i'm not a virologist but it seems like I'll, but nobody else lot- is and they're speaking as authority yeah, so you're just as, as authority. authoritative as everybody else brian but it seems like a lot of folks when you are doing a lot of boozing, it seems like your immune system is really susceptible to COVID. I know when I had it back in March of 2020, cause I, I definitely had it back then. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was dead for three days. Like I was out of the water, but I'd been skiing Friday, drinking all night, Friday night, skied Saturday, drank all day, Saturday, didn't sleep much. And then it hit me Monday. Nice. <laughs> I listened to Joe Rogan and when he got it, he said he was out boozing, playing, playing, um, your your immunity goes down. Yeah. And I've talked to some other folks who, when they got sick, they'd been boozing. They hadn't been sleeping much. And this is when it hits you the hardest. Dude, I was run down and I was just run down. And when I got it, I got it very mild, 99 degree fever. It was for down here in Florida. It was great. I was actually wearing sweats around the house. I was like, this is freaking great. I got chills, but it feels so wonderful because I could put on my my hoodies and my sweats again finally. So Dude, there was there was the when I was at like the peak of my sickness, I took a shower that night. And we have the kind of shower faucet where it's it's one handle and you kind of you crank it. So it's at when it's off, it's at six o'clock if it's a clock. Mm-hmm. And when I usually do it, I usually keep it at about 
230, maybe 230. So I crank it up like 90, 95 to 100 degrees. Right. Not like not in temperature, just like the the how far it turns. When I was sick with that fever, I had it all the way around to the other side to about eleven o'clock. Nice. That's how. And after my fever finally broke a day or two later, I had a sore back. My skin actually <laughs> hurt. Fried your back, dude. I totally did. I had the heat. The hot water on so hot it actually yeah. like burned my skin. Scalded you, yeah. And I, no, and I, just I take a cold shower like, all the time, dude. I sat there for like ten minutes, being like, "Oh, this feels so good. This fine, like something finally feels good." Nice. Like that's yeah. how hot I had it. So I have the temperature gauge in the in the shower. I'm always at like my normal shower is like at 89, 88. Like it's freaking nice and chilly. I like it. Yeah, that's but, not bad. That time too, crank it up. I could take a hot shower, you know, it was weird. You know, I did feel like shit and it was horrible, but I was lucky not to have problems. I had residual problems, but yeah, whatever. But anyway, so the first lawsuits are, are going through, uh, for Ishkill. Now they're saying, so going through this article, cause it's pretty, it's pretty wordy. There's 32 deaths they're saying, and about what is it? More than 6,000 people from across Europe, including 28 from the U S contacted officials regarding a class action lawsuit against the Austrian ski resort. So they're saying that many people are attributing, attributing to being there. So we're talking about claims of 100,000 euros and all of those being, being launched now. So I said one of the travelers to join the lawsuit is a New Jersey man who claims he passed the virus onto his father who then died of COVID three weeks later. Well, you know, you know what they're going to do in court though. So they're going to say, okay, so you, you attribute it to Ishko. Where did you go? You went on an airplane, right? You went in a mass transit car or a plane uh, or a bus or whatever. There's so many contact points that you could have gotten it. Like it's going to be, interesting to see where this goes you know um they said the university of innsbruck did a study that showed that 42 percent of residents in ishkill had antibodies for covid19 <laughs> giving nice. the area the world's highest covid infection rate so which means that it's all open for business now they're covid free they should all be uh yeah it's the all, first covid free place they're all good to go now wow that's uh pretty interesting Goddamn, Ishkill was so much fun. It was a lot of fun. I tell you what, though, like, and they do that massive, like, we we weren't even there. We were there just for, like, regular time. I mean, they show a picture on this article of, of one of those massive concerts they have, which are at the end of the ski season. Yeah. And those look fantastic. I mean, they're like a, like, enormous concert in the middle of, like, this snowy, you know, this snowy area. It's, it's just awesome. Mountains all around. These are the mountains, right? Yeah, it's really cool. So talking about the um, the 42% antibody rate in Ishkil, they said that uh, in Geneva, it's only 10%. And in Switzerland, Gröden has 27%. Like that's how much higher it was in Ishkil because of wow. how many people got it there. But again, Same. everyone's out there partying, skiing hard, drinking, not sleeping. Yeah, drinking. Like that in contact with each other. 
Well, that's just it too. You ski and then you drink, right? So you ski, you're worn down a little bit from from skiing, then you're drinking, partying, contacting with people. It's just yeah, your immune system is just kind of like you know, it's like if you lived in a bad neighborhood and you left your door wide open, like yeah, something bad may happen. Yeah, someone's gonna steal your TV. I tell you what, I'd still go back. That place is fucking magical. It was so much fun. It, it was really great. Was like just so much fun. Mickey Krause, Peter Vakl, <laughs> <laughs> and all the other host of characters that are singing there. It's just, it's a party they went, scene. They went from Shotzi Schenk me ein Foto to Shotzi Schenk me ein Lawyer. <laughs> That's right. Shotzi Schenk me ein Foto. I love that. Good time. Gotta go man. back there one day. Gotta go yes. back and relive it. Oh, I mean, I hope, that was. I hope that we can get back there. That, would be that was a scene. Hey, we can go with a group. We'll be welcomed as you're the first group that's come back here. Right? <laughs> yeah, right. We do a highfalutin ski bum ski trip. That would like, be a perfect place to do it, right? Just get all the other ski areas in the in the northeast and be like, we're we're throwing together a trip if you guys want on. Yeah. Why not? Well, it's a good idea. Yeah. Could probably get a cheap rate going get in a right private now. Jet. Got a private jet though. Boom. That's the key. Private jet, charter. Char- mm-hmm. We'll charter a jet. We get that. We get enough people. We charter a jet direct right in there. Um, maybe we even get a uh, Peter Vockel on our our flight. <laughs> he can that serenade awesome. everybody. That's right. Um, <laughs> that'd be pretty funny. All right. So next story is an update from last week. So we talked about Sierra at Tahoe and all the fires and and how you know it, just the surreal images of seeing the the actual chairlifts and and the fire roaring through there. They posted an update on their website this past Monday. And this is from the general, uh, the resort general manager, John Rice. And he said, on behalf of the entire Sierra at Tahoe team, I wanted to share with you what we currently know about the damage caused by the Caldor fire at Sierra. I also want to assure you that while some things will look different, we are doing everything in our power to open, operate, and welcome you back for Sierra's 75th season. As many of you have read or seen on the news, most of the resort structures remain intact. The fire did, however, destroy one of our maintenance shops, a surface lift used by beginner skiers, and cause significant tree damage that is visible along the access road into the resort and in various areas around the mountain. Currently, Highway 15 remains closed and fire crews and personnel are still on site monitoring hotspots. We are already engaging experts and working closely with the USFS and other partners who are prepared to move quickly to complete a full inspection and assessment of the damage across the entire resort and help us with a plan to move forward. So the next assessment will take place in 30 days, but they are looking to get themselves back open for their 75th anniversary. And that is huge and positive and glimmer awesome. of hope after that those awful pictures and and really sad story so they're doing everything they can they uh they'll they looks like they may pull it off to some degree which is great yeah i imagine like if they if they're able to open again this season which we were all hoping um if they had tree skiing right that the trees got burned usually they stay up like they don't just fall down unless they cut them down. So you could theoretically, instead of like birch trees that are white, go skiing through like charred trees. That'd be mm. pretty interesting, right? Like a weird, a, that'd be a weird scene, right? Unique experience. Yeah. Yeah. 
and it's all post, natural stuff that happens. Post I mean, apocalyptic skiing there, right? Yeah, like apocalyptic tree skiing. Yeah, craziness. All right, and uh, last story we have in the ski news hopper is, um, as everybody knows, that they've been talking about this for you know quite some time, and, and it's finally actually happening. Um, Squaw Valley, once known as Squaw Valley, is now rebranding and changing their name to Palisades Tahoe. So they came out with a whole big, you know, video and press release, you know, talking about why they changed their name, what it meant to them and, and what it meant to other people and why they changed it. So, um, I don't know. There's a lot of good and bad comments on this. I think that a lot of people have, um, but you know, I think they did the right thing. Um, I don't know, Brian, what do you think? You know, we've been yelled at for our opinions on this before. And honestly, like, I really, I don't have a, a dog in the race in this. I mean, if they want to change it, like, that's cool. If they're happy with it, that's great. I yeah. did like, I did like the one explanation they did have here where it said, we recognize that when the resort was named in 1949, there was no intent whatsoever to be derogatory or offensive. It was just a reference to the name of the valley. Similarly, because right, the valley's guests, name is has squaw in it, right? Yeah. So it's Sim- similarly when our guests and community members say the name today, they are not doing so with an intention to be racist or sexist. However, the reality is the times change, societal norms evolve, and we learn things we didn't previously know. Over the years, more and more has been learned about the word squaw. It has been the subject of extensive research and discussion. There is now insurmountable evidence dating back to early 1800s that the word squaw has long been used as a derogatory and dehumanizing reference to a Native American woman. So, hmm. so there, here we are. We're at now Palisades Tahoe. That's a new name. So everyone who was offended is now not offended. And now Palisades Tahoe has got a all their old shirts and hats and pint glasses can all be written off and thrown in a dumpster and thrown into the uh, landfill and they can put new merchandise in there to sell. So really this is everybody wins. Everybody wins. So let me ask you. So if you have like an old Squaw Valley shirt and you're sporting it, walking around town saying, look at this, I'm, I'm old school. Like, you know, maybe like five years from now, do you think somebody's just going to walk up and just like punch you in the face? (laughs) Or are they going to say, Hey, that's a cool shirt or cool hat. You'd be like, hey, man, that's really offensive to me, man. That's right. I think they just walk up and just pow, right? All you see is like knuckles. That's it. And you're just out. I'm pretty sure the people who are offended by that are usually a little bit smaller and uh, probably don't have a lot of punching power. Or it'll be like the, uh, (laughs) it'll be Squaw Valley next to the people wearing the um, undefeated Patriot season shirts like that they donated. Yeah, they're all going to Africa. So they all these African right. kids are now getting some Squaw Valley shirts. Squaw Valley. They don't even know where it is. They're wearing it. Uh crazy. Who did the uh <laughs> who'd the Buccaneers beat last year? I don't even remember in the Super Bowl. I don't even know. See? Like that's how closely the was it the Rams, maybe? Um no, they beat uh the no. Chiefs. The Chiefs, speaking the of Bucks. The Chiefs. Oh well, that's speed of right back the to Buccaneers the Buccaneers are racist and Chiefs are racist. And <laughs> if you're a pirate, you're very offended by by the Buccaneers. The Tampa Chiefs, Bay. Like, everybody's a chief. What the hell? That's I don't know. Tampa Bay Football Club. 
be Kansas City Football Club. Can you imagine if they all went to that? Oh, like, <laughs> let's just so Washington when they did that, it was genius because it was like, screw it, we don't ever want to have to change again. But it's just a very generic, silly. Like, I like the fact that at least formerly Squaw Valley, now Palisades took took this as an opportunity to say, hey, look, man, we could update our name, update our logo. I mean, when when places get bought too, sometimes they just change name, right? So, you know, potentially if Squaw Valley ever got bought, somebody could have been like, nah, I don't like that. I'm gonna I'm gonna name it, you know, uh, Trump at Tahoe or something. Skanko Valley. <laughs> Skanko Valley. Uh, <laughs> We're not offending the skanks or we, we respect <laughs> Dollar Shave Club skiing at Tahoe. Like some some shit like that, like a, a stadium we, naming we stadium. Res- we respect skanks and ho culture. <laughs> skanks and ho culture. It's very valuable. They're a part part of our community. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like like uh it'd be like Harris at Tahoe. <laughs> You know, like named after casino or something like that. Yeah. You know? Caesars Tahoe, Palisades Tahoe. It's not called like Starbucks Tahoe. Yeah. You know, because like Starbucks Ski Resort at Tahoe. Yeah, because like they said, naming rights to stadiums are all going to private corporations. <laughs> when are like ski resorts going to become private? You know, private companies buying them up and yeah. just calling them what they are. Could have been Tahoe X after <laughs> Elon Musk buys it, Tahoe X. Like Burger King Mountain, you know, Burger King Mountain. <laughs> that would be the biggest play zone ever. Think like, about that. Imagine like Taco Bell by Snowbird. It's like Taco Bell Bird. Like that would suck. Oh. Or it'd be awesome. I don't know. I don't know. It'd be kind of. That's the problem with the world we're living in. Like you could look at something on paper and go, "This is going to suck," and then it could be absolutely amazing. Top turned. Vice versa. You just don't know. That's right. Larry David's. Palisades of Tahoe. <laughs> It'd be all curb your enthusiasm stuff. Yeah. Curb your ski enthusiasm. So I looked it up the other night. Curbed has been going on for 20 years. How long has Larry David been? Yeah, because they didn't do it every year. It's only 10 Dude, seasons. And you know what? He's had long ass balls the whole time. <laughs> you got some you got some long ass balls. You low no low balls. You low ball Larry. Low ball Larry. God damn. <laughs> Love that thing. And then Seinfeld was on for how long? I mean, that dude is, think about the legacy of his career writing funny well, stuff. Is, Seinfeld was only on like maybe nine years. Was that it? I think it was like was 89 it? or 90 to 97. See, Google. But syndication, that's where, that's the gold mine there. It's been on seven hours a day for the last, you know, 20 years. Nine seasons. So there you go. See? So Larry did that for nine years and then he's been doing curbed. Well, he took like, what was it five years off at one point in curbed? And then it was like every year and a half because it's on HBO. Yeah. So that's why it's stretched to 20 years. But I'm like, that's a long freaking time. You know? Well, there was a story over Labor Day weekend when the Obamas had their their fancy ball out in was it Martha's Vineyard or Cape oh, yeah. <laughs> Larry. And Larry David, he got de-invited <laughs> to the party. De-invited. Not <laughs> That's a typical Larry. That's a that's going to be a show. That's That'll be on the like, It's not even like a, a show. Like it just seems like a made up show <laughs> premise, but it was actually reality, which is so funny. I could just see the. I could just see him sitting in his house. What do you mean I got uninvited? <laughs> the Obamas uninvited me. What? Why? <laughs> you can see one of his friends going in. Sorry, Larry, we can't take you in. You're uninvited. 
Ted Danson is going? How is Ted Danson going? I'm not going. <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's freaking awesome. Yeah. But yeah, Palisades of Tower. Like the logo is orange. See, they everybody's liking the orange. The logo is actually pretty cool. I like the eagle on the mountains. Yeah. They did, a, they did a really nice job with that. It's like a it's like a uh orange and purplish, right? Purplish bluish. I like that. Purple or gray or black or they're like kind um it is kind of purpley black. I like that, yeah. Yeah, and those are like um opposite colors, right? On the color wheel. Complementary colors. Complementary colors. Exactly like purple and yellow are complementary. And yeah. Um, yeah. You see a lot of purple and yellow. Too much purple and yellow. I like purple and orange. Purple and orange is a dope mix. I like that. Blue and orange, purple and orange. They go good. Yeah. Blue and red are complementary. Is it blue? Yeah, it's... No, it's... Oh, my God. I'm forgetting my color wheel here. Man. Red, red and green are complementary. Yeah, it's Christmas. Yeah. Christmas and color. Then, and, like, my, I had a, a design or painting professor who was like when you think of complementary colors think holidays and sports teams yeah it's true sports teams always have like the best complementary colors yeah yeah well because when you have a white jersey you get all the colors have to pop when you have the dark jersey you, you can play around with it with a lot of white you know yeah that's why I like you know like the lakers purple and gold you know it's yeah. striking because it's complementary isn't there a sports team that's orange and like the Timberwolves or something like that. Yeah, let's see. That's wait, with orange and what? Orange and purple. Orange and purple. I don't think so. Somebody's kind of a unique, kind of a unique color combination. Let's see. Oklahoma City Thunder, orange and blue. Oklahoma City Thunder. Knicks orange and blue. Kings. Flyers are orange and black. Uh, Kings are purple and gray. They used to have the best jerseys when they were purple and gold. Oh my god, those jerseys were phenomenal with the like the elaborate crown on there. Yeah, oh, those jerseys were awesome. Football, maybe arena football. I'm thinking <laughs> all those award-winning, inspiring logos that come out of arena football. Dude, you know people creating logos are making tons of money from that, right? Oh yeah, for sure. They're like, dude, I made the logo for like the Knicks. Never work a day in his life again. Or they stole it from him and still work his ass off. Well, the Nike logo is created by like an intern. Ugh. Did they get paid? Nope. I think three hundred and seventy-five bucks or something. Like something. There you go. Three hundred seventy-five bucks and a free Diet Pepsi. <laughs> That's it. Now get the hell out of here. <laughs> get the hell out of here. Thanks, got, intern. We've got Asian child labor to exploit. We're gonna swish all over this world. Yeah. <laughs> Carolyn yeah. Davidson, a student at the University of Oregon, 1971. Same. What happened? I got screwed. 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 Should be the name of oh, a... only 35 bucks. Damn. She made 35 bucks. Damn. Couldn't give her some like. Damn. Damn. Couldn't give her some shares in the company. Like, I mean, hopefully she was compensated later, but. I remember who was the original Ronald McDonald. It was um, John Wayne Gacy. <laughs> no, he oh. was. Uh, <laughs> I forgot his name. I will think of Robin Leach, but it's not him. It was. Uh, <laughs> that would have been awesome. <laughs> Robin Leach. Willard Scott. 
Really? Yeah. So he was the original Ronald McDonald. Uh, he like just died. died last week, I think. Yeah. So I I remember seeing something on him, and they said that he took McDonald's was just starting out. He didn't trust the fact that they were going to be able to pay him or be around long. So he took his payment as as the original Ronald McDonald in cash, and they had offered him shares, and the shares would have been worth like a crazy amount of money compared to getting like whatever he made, like a few thousand dollars or something like that. Isn't that crazy? That's why that poor bastard had to work on the Today Show until he was like 85 years old. That's right. Take the stock. But think about it. How'd you get your your start? Well, I was that clown for the fast food. I was the creepy clown guy. Creepy clown guy, remember? Yeah. Yeah. Ah, creepy clown guy. Well, Palisade Tahoe, cool new logo, cool new name. We'll see how the season is. Hopefully it's full of snow, full of good vibes, full of good, uh, good skiing. And speaking of good skiing and the Tahoe area, we are going to roll into the main topic. Yes. This is something that you've been working on, talking about for a while. I know it's come up in interviews that we've had when we interviewed Danny again, Eric Wilbur, even Matt Pepin. We've had all the players talk about it, even other people that we've had interviews with. Uh, you know, we've we've talked a little bit about it. And this has been building up for a while. I think everybody, including myself, is looking forward to this book review because I have not yet read this because I have not yet purchased it. And that may be happening soon. I want to hear your your take on it and your book report. So I'm yes. excited to hear this because it's a good time as we get ready for the ski season. Yeah, we're getting into ski season. And it's also, you know, back to school time. It's September. It's just, it was a perfect time to do this particular podcast, this book report. So 30 years in a white haze covering up Dan's name, Dan Egan, Eric Wilbur. We've talked to both of them. We're going to try to get both of them back on again too, which would be great. Yeah. And it's, it's just a really cool story. And I read this over the summer and I think Mary and I talked about it off the air and I was saying, you know, he talks about how he is not a big book reader because he falls asleep. And I was reading it because, you know, during all the COVID crap and you, you just don't want to put the TV on and hear more like, bad news, sad news, scare you news. I would go and I would just read for half an hour, hour. There was nice. one I actually had for two hours straight. Like it's just, it, when it's a topic that you care so much about, like skiing, and it's someone who you've talked to several times in Dan Egan and, and you know, Eric's writing, it's just, he does a great job. And it was cool talking to them before reading it and then actually reading the book and then being like, Ah, I see. I see what they both meant when they, you know, taking Dan's story and having it written from a different point of view by someone like Eric. And I guess kind of to sum it up, the biggest takeaway is reading this book. I thought a lot about the Shane McConkey story, like the documentary McConkey, which is one of my like summer preseason, like favorite things to watch because it's inspiring. It's funny. It's it's heartbreaking because you know the story. It's a roller coaster. That that it's, yeah. a, it's a total roller coaster. And you know they they of course mention you know McConkey Shane in here and and you know some of the more extreme guys of the the early two thousands. And the story revolves a lot around the Mount Elbrus trip in Russia in nineteen ninety that Dan 
John went on. And, you know, that had, I mean, it was still a horrible story where like a, a lot of people died, but, you know, the main, the protagonist, you know, Dan and John, they, they both got out for different reasons. So it kind of, it was similar. It was almost, it was a very parallel story where, you know, you kind of do that next big extreme thing, that next, like, how do you keep leveling up? And yeah. What's next? Cause every time you do something, there's always the question, well, what are you going to do next? But for, for Dan, it really changed him as a person afterwards, which is, you know, again, it, you can always go in two different directions. You could spiral into depression, anxiety, and, and just, you know, let it get the best of you and, and collapse. Or you could take that and, and have it change you in a, a positive way, in a different way. So, yeah, the story kind of revolves around that. And, uh, you know, he, he, Dan, separated from john john did not want to go up he's like i'm done dan ended up going with this guy alfred jimenez seguera who was a spanish member of the expedition who won the trip to elbrus because this whole trip was sponsored by this ski company with this outerwear company called degray seven and they they put this trip together and this guy Albert Jimenez uh, Segara, he got on this trip because he bought a beanie, a DeGray 7 beanie in Brussels and was like, bought the hat. It was like, hey, you want a trip to Russia to go on this expedition? Like it was really kind of poorly put together. It was Russia right after the fall of, uh, you know, communism. It was like just a, a... you know, they say like a tragedy never happens because one thing goes wrong. It's because several things in a chain go wrong. And yeah. that's what, that's exactly what this trip was. And again, I'm not giving much away. This is the first like five pages of the book. It's talking about this. Um, they were a hundred feet from the summit, 150 feet from the summit and they dropped their packs so they could make it to the top. And they were saved by this man named Sasha, this Russian guy who was probably KGB I mean, it's again, this is the first five pages. This is the prologue. It just talks about this. And then wow. it's cool the way this Dan's story gets woven into this Elbrus trip. That's the way Eric writes this, which is pretty cool. So as a lot of you guys know, Dan is one of seven Egan children. I think John is the third. That's a lot of kids, man. Dan is the, yeah, well, you know, Irish family in boston you know like this 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 how life used to be irish you know the old joke catholic used to family. be yeah you're irish catholic and you have no tv it's it's what you do uh-huh. it's like the one family guy the irish you know the irish uh museum they had a day in the life of an irish woman and it was like <laughs> she's like praying and then she would like go back and like a baby would come out <laughs> <laughs> but it just talked about like you know the way they, they were born like, like the way they were raised like they would just go out and play and have adventures. They just had to be home at a certain time for dinner. Like that was Dan even talked about that too. The way he was, he was raised. It was a lot of, you know, self-discipline, which is really cool. You know, he skied and played soccer. He got a scholarship to Babson, you know, a huge soccer school. He was the captain of the team. And by the end though, he was, he, it was cool. He was going to, uh, he was fall semester playing soccer. He would take off the spring to go skiing and then he would go do the summer semester in wow. the fall. So he, that was what he did the last couple of years. Cause he's like, I have to graduate. Like, this is like my goal. I have to do it. But around that same time, 
when they started, you know, after college, working those crappy jobs. He'd got a marketing degree, which was cool. So then he started to do these crazy jobs. Him and John, because John was a ski bomb at Sugarbush at the time, they got together. They just, they went out west. They drove out. Uh, they were going to go out to Tahoe. And it's cool because it, this is a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of the story that I'll, I'll get into. And I'm sure people have heard about this already, too. It's not like a secretive story or anything. They, uh, they stopped in Aspen along the way, and there was a mogul contest. Nice. And they entered as the Egan Brothers from Vermont, sponsored by Yo Mama and My Mama. <laughs> <laughs> Yo Mama and My Mama. Because they said like everyone is all like decked out and like their, you know, their sponsored gear. And, you know, John had some sponsors at the time, but they were like, they said that Dan was skiing on a pair of Rozzy 207 giant slalom skis and had wow. never really mogul raced. <laughs> and again, another parallel to the whole Shane McConkie thing, because, you know, he went to uh, Burke Academy. He was a racer, went to University of Colorado, kind of failed out of school, didn't become that Olympian he wanted to be, but was just like an insane ripper of a skier. So when they had the, um, I guess it was the Dew Tour. Do tour or the Mount uh the Red Bull tour, he just started doing mogul racing and he's like, Did I get money doing this? Like he just destroyed <laughs> everybody. It's like these guys are just such great skiers. That's awesome. They were like, dude, we'll just do this. Do this, so make that, a little money. Yeah. So they did that that trip in Aspen. John won 300 bucks. So the next day they went to Vale. And again, Dan on these ridiculously long giant slalom Rozzies, he got to the round of eight. And his ski Damn. fell off. So it kind of disqualified him. But and then the guy who beat him was like the guy who ended up becoming like the US mogul, like the younger brother of the US moguls, like skier, uh skiing like coach, like head coach. Like I oh, taught wow. like Johnny Mosley. Like that's the guy he lost to. <laughs> wow. Uh, so yeah, they started doing that. And then they went out to to Tahoe. They made connections. They started making all their movies. There was one little little like there's all these like cool stories in there and i'm not going to get into the details on the stories because that's part of what makes this book so fun but there was one trip they were um they were in squaw they were leaving to go up to i think it was cam loops and they're going hella skiing up in uh british columbia so they were partying the night before and someone had given them some some ecstasy so as they're crossing <laughs> the border they're like hey i haven't got any drugs on them we don't want to get busted so they, they just took it uh and they said they went to the aquarium and they just said like, like they were the exhibit. Like they were just going crazy. Having a <laughs> super fun time. Another story, they were in a uh, Val skiing and they ended up just, they were buddies with the guy who was the grandson of the Guinness founder. So he's like wow. Guinness fortune and they bought the, his van off of them. Nice. <laughs> and they drove to Germany and that's when they went and skied off the Berlin wall for Warren Miller. Wow. I mean, just like so many like cool, like just stories that if you're young, like this is the stuff you should be doing. You know, yeah. like, these just like crazy adventures. And, you know, around that same time, like when they were talking to Warren Miller, they're like, you know, this is when communism was falling, the Berlin Wall went down. They're like, we want to go where CNN went. It's like whenever the big stories were like, that's where they were going. Hmm. I mean, it was just a crazy story of like Dan being in like Beirut like leaving Beirut and like, it's wow. It's nuts. And I, I love the one quote they have in there. And this is, I think Warren Miller's mentioned this quote before there was a ski school organizer, Hannes Schneider, great name after training Austrian ski troops post-World War one. If everyone skied, there would be no wars. 
Hmm. I absolutely love that. Um, you know, like, again, like, I'm not going to get too into it, but Dan, a big thing is his faith and his sobriety that he eventually uh, achieved. There was a time where he was uh, he was in Boston. He was living out of his van. He was bad times, just, you know, drinking, getting hammered. He's driving, and a cop pulls him over. It was like a sobriety checkpoint, and he oh, went wow. through it. And it's one of those moments where, like, imagine you're not this, like, Dan Egan character. Like imagine you're just like some other person or, you know, he encounters a Boston cop and the cops like, Hey man, uh, he's like, what's up? You moving? And he's like, uh, yeah, I'm moving. Cause all the stuff is in the car. He's like, then you should just keep moving then. And that was actually kind of like, almost like a, Give him a solid a like, sign. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, and that was kind of like his, almost like his, uh, one of those moments, those pivotal moments in your life where you're like, where am I going to go with this? Mm. And then, you know, he, he still kept skiing with John and the Delorier brothers and they're out there and they, those guys were still partying and he wasn't. And that right. kind of, that caused a bit of a, a rift. He started doing movies though. They started doing like Egan entertainment movies, making them himself. Like he was just like, he would find ways to like hustle and grind and figure, figure out ways to, to stay relevant and to, to keep doing what he had to do, which that was kind of the, I guess a synopsis for the story is like, it's like rebirth and redemption several hmm. times with him, you know, like you're at the top Different of the world, ways, right? 24, you almost die. And it's like, well, what do you yeah. do? It's like, he's kind of reborn as this, this new guy, which I mean, at 24, like to, to have to like, that's like, I mean, you're just it's getting started with your, your party with years. Yeah. yeah. And then dealing uh, with that, like those topics, it's, it's tough. And, you know, then to overcome them is even more amazing, you know? Yeah. And he found a way, like he's, again, he had that marketing degree. They, they marketed the Egan brothers, did all those movies. They got sponsored. It's funny. They talk about how they would have all this gear. They got the sponsored gear. And then at the end of the season, they would sell what they could. Yeah, everything yeah. at the back of their van, they would sell it, make some money. And again, they were living the true ski bum life, working, working jobs in the summertime. You know, Dan had jobs where he was substitute teaching, he was delivering newspapers, uh, had a bread route too for was it Entenmann's, I think, or um thought hmm. I had it written on here. Uh right, he was just driving a bread truck. I forget. Yeah, you know, it's in the book though. Maybe it was Entenmann's or Pepper, Pepperidge Farm, I think it was. Pepperidge Farm remembers. Pepperidge Farm remembers. So he started making the movies and then like they had that Ski 93, which is like a, a New Hampshire. Uh, he worked for that for that company and this was during the 94 Olympics or leading up to that. And there wasn't a whole lot of New England talent that was part of the Olympics. They had to go find some people and Hmm. That led him to Romania. And I'm going to leave that there because that's a very interesting, critical story in the book. Nice. Uh, they also did the uh, the X-Team clinics, which it was him, John, and the Delorier brothers traveling to a bunch of big resorts. And you could go ski with them. And they would like teach you how to be a better skier. Like, Very cool. And eventually, you know, that kind of broke apart. And then, you know, Dan's still doing his ski clinics now where you can go to Big Sky and go ski with Dan Egan super awesome he uh, worked at mount tenny which was a big thing up in new hampshire which unfortunately was only like two years because it was uh like the the owner like stole money but oh, they geez. set up they they bought this thing called snow magic 
And of course, it was like this Japanese company claimed that you can like make all this snow and like just a couple hours and it would last through the summer heat. So they had a big, you know, big kind of marketing uh, event. July 4th, 2003, they created a Tenny Glacier where they just blew all the snow and people came mm. from all over New England to go check it out, including Simon Dumont, who, who became this, you know, professional skier from Maine. And people got there, they're like, this is it. And it's like, dude, it's 4th of July. Like, what do you want from us? Yeah. Um, it's like one little pile of snow, but it's like, it's 4th of July. Come on. Yeah. And then, you know, Dan had a show on Nesson, the wild world of winter for a bunch of years. And, and then it's, it's kind of interesting the last decade or so he did a lot with sailing. Like he was like an hmm. ambassador for Sperry and he was doing some America's cup stuff. And he's, he's got a cool, it's one of his, it's his second passion, his second love is sailing like he worked at a yacht club in boston back in the day and there's some crazy stories from that like he's wow. just one of those guys like he would take the opportunity presented to him and turn it into something bigger and more than it should have been that's and that's cool. sort of almost again another like those are kind of the themes that ran through this book it was like redemption and take taking something and making it bigger and more significant than it should have been. Yeah. Making most of the opportunities that were given to him, right. Or that he, he found like, why not? Yeah. And like he went bankrupt during like the 2008 and nine financial crisis. Cause he put all his money into this company that he had and it kind of mm. like, he's just, and he's never one of those people who was, you know, woe is me. This isn't fair. Just someone who would just always find like, he used his faith. Faith is like a, very important to him. And he would lean on that and it would get him out of whatever situation he was and get him into something bigger and better. Hmm. And it's, it's just a, a fun story. I mean, granted it's about skiing, so it's amazing. There's a bunch of really cool pictures in here too. You know, there's um, obviously like him and John back in the day, like you know, just a lot of their like, places they've been to you know turkey them and like when they were kids skiing it's that's pretty cool it's just a really fun interesting inspiring read and i know again people not people don't like reading reading's tough but it's just uh it doesn't feel like a chore to read this book it's, it's cool it's, it's really it was really a fun read and you know, again, there's, there's certain things like you wish you wish you almost were like with him back in the day, like in those like crappy times or the, the tough times and, and help him pull through. But just just a, a person who just appreciates everything they have and all the opportunities they've ever had doesn't really have bad things to say about too many people. <laughs> good. I think just the one guy who was the owner of Tenny was the only guy I think he really uh, was pissed off at in this book. Oh, really? Yeah. But just a, just a fun read. And again, you know, you kind of, you look at timing of things and it's, you know, he was just at that certain spot at that time when extreme skiing started getting big and when, you know, VHS became a big thing in the eighties and early nineties, right place, right time, you yeah. know, and, and seizing an opportunity. And that's, that's what he did. And now he's, you know, he's, he's living the dream right now. He's, he's doing exactly what he wants to do. He's, he's helping people. He's, he's on skis in the winter and sailing in the summer. Nice. He found a path, nice. you know, well, he always followed passion mm. and that's something that people can say. It's so easy to say that, 
but if people, someone to actually do it is yeah. a lot harder and there well, is lots of talking about doing shit, but there's very few people that are good at doing shit. Right. It's true. It's true. Like he was talking about like editing video himself with no experience. Hmm. Yeah. You know, just like what it took. And that's just like before, you know, something like a Adobe Premiere or iMovie, which makes it so easy. Yeah. He just, he found ways to, to get things done. Very cool. Which is so cool. And just, and it's cool too. Like, you know, we talked about it with our, our buddy, Matt last week, Matt Pepin, they put a, a map in the back of the book too, which is cool. So it shows all the spots where Dan and John have skied or Dan has sailed all That's over the world. Pretty cool. Wow. It's, it's incredible. I mean, they have been all over the world. That is pretty neat. It's really, really cool. And most of the time together. Yeah. That's, neat too. Hmm. that's very interesting. Yeah. He's a nice guy. And, you know, talking to him was, was awesome. And we had him on a, the t- two times. Actually we had him right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was a pleasure with him and I'm glad, glad his book is, I think it was doing pretty well. And, uh, Sounds like a good uh, good read, Brian. So, sounds like it's highly recommended. And on the oh, yeah. Brian, on the Brian ranking list, I think it's up there, right? It's it's definitely a two thumbs up read. I mean, there's it's it's just a fun story about a very interesting person. And again, there's there's lots of highs, there's lots of lows. There's an evolution of a character because you know when you think about your favorite books, movies, whatever, it's it's never. Oh, the guy took the easy way out and everything was just kind of good. Like nobody right. wants to read the story about like a lottery winner. That well, story is boring. But this is really even lottery. Like a lot of times when they do a story, they hide a lot of the, a lot of stuff and make it, everything's either sunshine and roses or everything's dark and doom and gloom. Right. So yeah, exactly. Sounds and like this is a mix there. of everything, like more realism kind of. And Again, when we talked to Eric about it, you know, one thing he said is that, you know, he was able to have the conversations with the people that perhaps Dan could not have or would mm. not be comfortable having, or they would not want to be comfortable having it with Dan. So it, it really does. It's it's truly, he was a very open book in very this, cool. in this project, because you read about some of the stuff and you're like, Oh, like that's it takes know, courage to honest. put that on paper about yourself. You know, even if yeah. you talk to somebody about things in your past that you're not totally happy about or you know proud of, um, putting them on paper is is very different too. You know, and then oh, yeah. showing it to other people, like putting it down on paper and showing it, it's like wow. You know, it it has a different effect. If you ever think it doesn't, go through the exercise of telling somebody something that you're uncomfortable with, then write it down and give it to somebody. And, and it's pretty, pretty earth, earth shattering, but a uh, whole different thing. Yep. Yeah. For him to do that. Uh, it's, that's great. I mean, yeah. Again, like the, the stories about them, like, you know, them partying and doing ecstasy in the car and, and going awesome. to the, you know, like it's, it's some stuff that's silly. And now like you can look back and laugh at it, but, yeah. Hey, again, he was he was super honest about it, which was really cool. Cool. Yeah, so check it out. 30 Years in a White Haze. Dan Egan, Eric Wilbur. We'll have the link in the show notes. It's just, I think it's 30 Haze or white-haze.net. You go to Dan's site. I think it's danegan.com, skiclinics.com. We'll all the links Spigen, there. Right, check Dan Egan on uh, Insta. Instagram, yeah. Because cool. there's like a lot... There's a lot of Dan Egan's out there. 
Yeah. There's always people put up a site and it's like, oh, you know, famous stuff from this person or whatever, but you got to get to the real site. Exactly. Very cool. All right. So I hope you guys check it out. Good book report. We're going to have to do this again. I got to read more books. I got a bunch back there. I got to read. I got to read In Search of Powder. I got to read Ski Inc. I got to read Ski Inc. 2020. Like lots of good ski books. I book piling up. Been on. They're piling up. Yes. If they were on tape, you'd probably get through them quicker. <laughs> I got a bunch. Oh, dude, I'm ripping through books on there too. Yeah. Uh, I have the Warren Miller Freedom Found book I got to finish. So nice. Very cool. Yeah. But I've been enjoying the the analog experience of reading. Like after looking at a stupid computer all day, like it's nice to. There's something shutting off, man. I tell you what. Um, it's so nice. It, especially working from home. Like there's no break. There's no walking around and having a bullshit conversation about football for somebody. It's just, you know, so getting that, that analog time away from, from technology is good. hundred percent. That's why we ski. Why we ski. That's why you don't have to watch us on YouTube. You just listen to us on right. your favorite podcasting app. Or watch us if you're, you know, we're very attractive guys. Why not? So I've heard. We are sexy to the right kind of people. So so I've heard some people say, you know, in certain eh, circles. Very, <laughs> mostly ladies with very, very high standards. Find us exactly. attractive. High standards, very lovely ladies. That's usually all of it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why we're married to them. That's right. <laughs> Well, thank you guys so much for listening. We do appreciate it. Check us out, skibumpodcast.com. There's a shop, skibumpodcast.com slash shop for some cool swag. Check us out on your favorite social media apps, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at skibumpodcast. Send us an email, skibumpodcast at gmail.com. Great. Subscribe on your favorite podcasting apps. We really do appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Stay high, stay fluent. See ya.